Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Number 49. Should we celebrate number 49? Should we make it a big to-do? I wonder what the uh, gift is like for your 49th anniversary. What's 50? Gold? It's gold. It's right? got to be gold. Yeah, right? it's got to be gold yeah, for, yeah. for years yeah. of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> they know that you're going to spend a lot of money on gold, so they make 46 through 49 really crappy yeah. things. 49's like the pat on the back anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, buddy. Yeah. Good job. Balsa wood airplanes. Because <laughs> my love soars and loops for you. Aww. And then breaks. After one flight. Shout out to our new sponsor, Balsa, Balsa wood. wood Gliders. <laughs> <laughs> Take your dreams to the sky. For just a few seconds. Yeah, for just a few seconds. Watch them crash. Keep it on it, because it might hit you in the head. <laughs> well, Matt, it is great to be back again for another Epipod, and it's also great to have another installment of Kenny Gmail. The voice of the fans yeah, demands exactly. to be heard. The first one this week comes from Josh Dix. The subject line on this was help. Oh, Okay. Dear Finest Work here Songs, for. I woke up this morning and for unknown reasons, the Avril Lavigne song Complicated is stuck in my head. What do I do? I didn't know who else to ask. Sincerely, Josh. Man. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Skater Boy. You know, I'm not familiar with that song. You are. Complicated? You would know it if you heard it. Man, they used to love that like little oh, radio oh, voice to introduce a song. Yep. Oh, and then a turntable. Oh, wow. And a dirty guitar. Yeah. Uh, uh. We're not helping Josh here. No. <laughs> Josh, how's this? Is this working? Is this working? Playing it for you and then talking about it? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't doubt if your oldest... Is, is down with this, right? What? She's 13. This so is was Avril Lavigne when she did this. This speaks oh, to what, teenage Emma's girls. that little, like, cascading. Yeah. It's just a waterfall. Oh, man. <laughs> I what? totally remember this chorus. Yeah, yeah. We did like the opposite. First, we didn't help Josh. Yeah. And then we infected everyone else with <laughs> complicated. Yep. Sorry about that. Josh, just keep listening because we're going to blow your mind. The cure is coming. Oh, we're doing not, the cure today? Well, oh, not okay. the cure. Oh, okay. but, yeah. They're coming? They're the going remedy. The remedy? Oh, Black Crows? Yeah, no, no, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, I'm so confused. Our next Kenny Gmail is in response to, again, our Tribe Called Quest epipod. Dang it. Now I have complicated in my head. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from Marika Kipdale, again with the three names. Uh, and she writes, definitely believe that which you stated. Your favorite reason appeared to be on the net, the simplest thing to be aware of. I say to you, I certainly get annoyed while people think about worries that they plainly do not know about. You managed to hit the nail upon the top as well as to find out the whole thing without having side effects. People can take a signal. We'll likely be back to get more. Thanks. Wow. First, Marika, thanks for leaving us a blog entry in our comments section. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that Marika, though. Marika. She's a chatterbox. She, oh, you, yeah. Thank you, Marika, for noticing yeah. that we did hit the nail on the top. Yeah. 
Uh, also, I have no idea what she was saying. I, yeah, me neither. Seemed positive? She seemed very into it. I just listened for the compliments. Yeah. You I'm do like, that yep. out, yeah, at home, too, don't you? Yeah, I don't <laughs> hear words. White noise until there's like, good job. Hey, I'm good like, job. you talking to me? They're like, no, it's talking to the dog. Really? We love every Finest Work fan. Oh, yeah. And every comment that we receive. Every single one. From every sincere Finest oh, Work fan. Oh, they're all great. <laughs> Well, I need to get complicated out of my head, and so does Josh. So let's jump in. Matt, what is the album that we are covering today? Today, we are going to be talking about Stevie Wonder's Songs in the (laughs) Cube. It's on the album. That is true. Continually. You're welcome, Josh. Yeah. You guys know the song. You know this one. This is the one that has Ebony and Ivory, right? No. Uh, So it's got, uh, I just called to say I love you. Yes. Uh, No, nope. Sorry. man. I got nothing. Those were your two big hits. That's my Stevie Wonder (laughs) catalog right there. Also, that baby. Yeah. Did you know where they recorded that? After his daughter was born? No. No? The daughter appears at the end. They went into an actual delivery room and recorded that baby being born. Did he bring all like 130 people who worked on this album into the (laughs) delivery room? But also, were they like quiet on the set, you know, and the mom's like biting down on a, you know, a bullet or something, trying to try to not yell. We we can't have you crying. We just need the baby. Yeah. (laughs) I picture like Stevie and the entire like production crew going from like room to room. And sticking their head in like delivery rooms, like how far along are they? Yeah. You know, how many centi- how many centimeters? <laughs> Just waiting. But actually, hold on, Matt. We were born in 1975. Yeah. And this album was recorded in between 74 and 75. So, Matt, <gasps> maybe Stevie flew down to North Carolina just to get that special silky perfect cry. <laughs> Thanks, to our sponsor, Silky Perfect Cry, hairspray. <laughs> Why would that be hairspray? I have no idea. Well, we do always start with our memories. So, Matt, do you have a memory or is it Ebony and Ivory? (laughs) So many of these songs are songs every single one of us knows. You've heard these songs everywhere. I couldn't tell you like, oh, yeah, that's definitely on this album. That's definitely on that album. There's a couple memories associated with some of these songs that we'll get into. But as an album, this past week, researching it for this uh, was the first time I've really dived into a lot of these songs which was a lot of fun it's incredible one of those things where i'm kind of like kicking myself that i'm this late in life getting into this album to be honest it's never too late for what for stevie Wonder. Oh, okay what about you what's your memory of this album matt did you know that i used to be a fighter pilot no i did not <laughs> yeah my partner and i we flew the f-14 mm-hmm. the tomcat wow this is back in the day where we're you know shooting down russians and they're yep. shooting us down just mm-hmm. business as usual yep. and <laughs> the good old days things were simpler back then <laughs> yeah and we were pretty good we weren't the best okay because there was this other guy cougar but cougar was gonna have a newborn child he gave up his wings even though they didn't like my recklessness were you a loose cannon yeah i was a real chupacabre that was my call sign <laughs> anyway my partner's name was duck duck <laughs> So me and Duck Duck, we went to this elite fighting school. Yeah. From day one, I made my mark. I went in there, 
showed them I know how to fly. I defeated the instructor on day one, but they were they were all in a tizzy because I broke some major rule of engagement, uh, you know, yeah. some some yep. sky law or something. I don't know. I never read those books. And the instructors didn't like my style. And there was a another student who didn't like my style. And this guy, man, this guy was cool. His call sign was Freezy Pop. And he was like, <laughs> you couldn't shake him. So it became clear that it was it was my wild behavior yeah. versus Mr. By the Book. Mm-hmm. You know, as the season goes on, me and Freezy Pop are, are in direct competition to be the head honcho, yep. the premier pistol. <laughs> There's a moment when it looked like Mr. Freeze was going to pull away. And so I made, as it would be, a maverick move. Sure. Yada, yada, yada. Duck, duck, dies. Oh, no. It was really sad. And I didn't win. And that's what I was upset about. Yeah, I realized sure. I was a pretty selfish pilot and that no one would want me as a partner. Mm-hmm. So I went to the graduation party and everyone was really happy. But as we're celebrating, all of a sudden a call came in that there was a crisis situation. How long after uh, Doug Doug died was this party? Next day. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I think. Yeah. I didn't have a choice. I had to get up there to serve my country. And so me and this other pilot, Dumbledore, <laughs> we, <laughs> we were flying back up and we saw in the sky six enemy planes yeah things were intense i'm about to launch some serious firepower Mm -hmm. into this first plane as i'm about to fire i said here comes the master blaster get ready to be sent up into higher ground and it was like do 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 you know and the plane went down that's a good line to deliver thanks like right before then Then there was another plane and i was like here comes a missile signed sealed delivered boom 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 boom." you know just shot that down And then I could hear uh, Mr. Freeze over the radio. He was about to shoot, and he said, See you later, my Sharia more. <laughs> boom, 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 and just shot that one down. And then I flew up on this one plane, and I was like, I just called to say, boom, 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 boom. Nice. I shot it down. Yeah. The other two left. We land at the thing, and we, and we get out. And Mr. Freeze and I had been enemies this whole time. Yeah. But we ran up to each other, and he was like, Bruh, you say Stevie Wonder song titles before you shoot people down? I say Stevie Wonder song titles before I shoot people down. And they were like, All right, on the count of three, you say your favorite Stevie Wonder album. We're like, One, two, three. And I'm like, Secret Life of Plants. And he said, Songs in the Key of Life. And I said, Whoa, what? He said, Bruh, you know Stevie, but you don't know this album? He gave me a copy. That's how I first heard it. Man, I'm just glad that you're still here to tell that story. Two on six, that's like a Mission Impossible right there. Um, <laughs> You'd think. But at least you had a few good men up there with you. <laughs> that's you true. Yep. When Duck Duck died, yeah. are you sure you weren't flying with your eyes wide shut? <laughs> that's what the impending investigation is oh, trying okay. to figure out. Seriously, though, Matt, my memory as an 80s kid yeah. is similar to yours in right. that Stevie was always around. Mm-hmm. Our first introduction to him is those 80s years, not his glory years. Mm-hmm. But you go back and, and you discover that there are a couple of really special albums during a, a very unique time of artistry and creativity mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. And this is the pinnacle to that. This album opens with a track called Love's In Need of Love Today. About to say, 
change your joy and laughter to tears and pain. It's that love in need of love today. Don't delay, send yours in right away. Hey, go on round, waking many hearts. Stop, be pleased before it's gone too. Everybody knows Stevie Wonder at this point. Boy Wonderkin. Mm-hmm. He has been around since, I think, age 11 in Motown. Mm-hmm. Grew up under the tutelage of Ray Charles and the Funk Brothers. All these incredible musicians and vocalists. So up to this point, has had an incredible career throughout the 60s. He could have stopped there, and we would still be talking about Stevie Wonder. So he turns 21. He lets his contract run out. At this point, Marvin Gaye had set a precedent, and the Beatles, with full creative control. Yep. And so this is what Stevie was looking for. Coming from Motown, which mm-hmm. is incredibly controlled by yeah. Barry Gordy. Right. So he negotiates the biggest deal ever. Seven years, seven album, $37 million. The full creative control. He has what he wants. He's got all the money. Mm-hmm. He can record anywhere he wants with anyone he wants. He can produce it. Anyone can produce it. He gets to call the shots. And then he goes on this unprecedented streak of just critical and, and commercial success of album after album. But seemingly every year, he's winning Grammy for album of the year. Mm-hmm. I believe the year before this album comes out, he doesn't have an album out. Right. Paul Simon wins for album of the year. And in his comments, thanks Stevie Wonder for not putting out an album that year. (laughs) He was probably the biggest thing in music. I can't imagine that Barry Gordy's disappointed. Talking Book, Intervisions, Mm -hmm. they are selling millions of copies. And then Stevie goes silent. And around that time, he got in a car accident. Oh. Did you hear about this? I don't think I did. And it was... Was he driving? (laughs) Yeah, that was the problem. He had full creative control. (laughs) Man, I thought we were going to get through this without doing a blind joke. Do we get any credit, listeners, for getting this far? <laughs> and Matt, believe it or not, the accident was in Durham. Really? North Carolina, yep. No way. And one of those trucks with logs on it uh-huh. slammed on its brake, and a log came through the windshield. Oh, my God. And put him in a coma for four days. Wow. It was in Durham. So he was in Winston-Salem at the hospital. Wow. As always on Finest Work Songs. There's some connection. There's some connection in Gotta North Carolina. Got to bring it back. Yep. He lost his sense of smell, partially. Mm-hmm. For a while, he lost his sense of taste. Jeez. So, poor guy. There's a ridiculous quote from his tour manager. She's there at the hospital in Winston-Salem and that she brought in like a keyboard to see if it would cheer him up and everything. And she said for days, he just sat there and looked at it. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And I'm like, listen, tour manager, former tour manager, with that kind of sensitivity. But then... He started playing okay. and like, you know, really came to life. All right. So at this point, he's been in this accident. He's figuring out life. Yep. He's got this new creative control. He's already put out Talking Book, Intervisions, yep. fulfilling this first finale. Uh, he's gotten two Grammy Awards. And at this point, he's a little bit fed up with the way things are, mm-hmm. with politics. And so he goes silent. He considered for a while going to Ghana. Mm-hmm. 
he had traced his lineage back there and he had considered going and serving over there until someone convinced him that your work can better be done by putting out amazing music. Like he's ready to just give it up. Yeah. We would be talking about Intervisions yeah. or Talking Book. Mm-hmm. I mean, these incredibly brilliant albums. But he goes off, takes like two and a half years to record this album. The title came to him in a dream, Songs in the Key of Life. And I think part of the reasons it took so long is that he felt, he said, how do I come up with songs that represent life itself? Yeah. Which is a pretty big undertaking. Yeah, that's, that's a big ask. <laughs> but he did that and he begins with this song, Love's in Need of Love Today. Mm-hmm. It's a comment on things at the time. They're coming out of the 60s, the tumultuous 60s, mm-hmm. settling into the cynicism of the 70s. Steve had been writing songs against Nixon. Mm-hmm. This is celebrating the, the bicentennial Yep. of the nation but stevie's he's not happy so he's kind of putting an appeal out there saying hey even love itself is in need of love like we've lost our way to come out of summer of love to come out of the late 60s and as a young person you probably had to have a feeling like oh okay we're, we're making progress things yeah. are changing right and then you get into the 70s and that's where the cynicism comes in you look back and you, you're going we're still not much better off than we were. It's amazing how different periods of time in music can capture the moment as well as they do. This song, it starts off with that beautiful acapella. Oh my gosh. Beginning. What a bold statement to start off an album. Right. Not just a song. Yeah. To start the album with this and then it's it's Stevie as the announcer. Mm -hmm. He's making this statement like, you're not going to like this, but we need to talk about this. Yeah. Things aren't much better. This idea that even love's in need of love. I'm not saying it's, you know, what's going on, but it definitely seems to be in that vein. I don't think this song is on the level of the song, What's Going On. I do think the album in its commentary is on the level. Exactly. play a little bit because there's a part coming up that's so great. best band leader ever but he's letting us know he's taking us on a journey yep love is peaceful so we're gonna just bring it down a little yep this isn't a song you would hear no apart from sitting down and listening to this album Mm -hmm. it starts with the voices in this song you realize oh this album is really special Mm -hmm. and in an album where it's talking about life itself he's trying to cover a whole gamut of things from from birth to death to what it means to live and love and a lot of spirituality in this. There's a song next called have a talk with God that you should listen to. Oh man. So many songs we could talk about. So we're going to keep moving because we're, we're hoping to maybe hit more than we usually do. The second song is village ghetto land.
Would you like to go with me down my dead end street? Would you like to come with me to village ghetto land? See the people lock their doors while robbers laugh and steal. Beggars watch and eat their meals from garbage we like to talk about sometimes the juxtaposition between music and the lyrics yeah. and songs. And and this one jumps out at me so much because if you took out the lyrics, mm-hmm. I would almost see this song played at a wedding mm-hmm. as a bride is walking down the aisle. Yeah. I mean, it has that classical that feel baroque, to it, the baroque feel like, to almost it. Almost like you could see people in powdered wigs dancing. Right. A very formal occasion, but a very happy occasion. Yeah. But then... You get into these, the lyrics, beggars eating out of garbage cans right. and everyone's locking their doors and children playing in rusted cars. And he's not using flowery, descriptive language to kind of touch around the edges of what he's saying. I mean, he's he's being as plain as he can be. Yeah. And he's inviting the listener, you know, would you like to come with me? I'm going to take you yeah. into this place that you probably wouldn't see. You even hear today, people of color talk about there's two Americas. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of layers to that. Mm-hmm. One of them is the the differences in what people have access to. This is what he's singing about here is that the access to healthcare or even food in, in mm-hmm. some of these places. Security. Whatever you believe about that, I think that it's really worth listening, especially when you look back to this has been said by the African-American community specifically for a long time yeah. for us now just to continue to say, no, there's not. Yeah. You know, right. Without even like listening and considering, he's inviting us. He's saying, hey, come take a look. Mm-hmm. I love, like you said, the way he does that by juxtaposing this classical, which would traditionally be seen as like white people right. in like yeah. Downton Abbey <laughs> or something. It's a unique song. Also doing it with synthesizers. He wrote this with Gary Bird. According to Gary Bird, they had a conversation about this song. There's only three co-writing credits on the whole album. Mm -hmm. So Gary works on it for months and months and months. Three years later, Stevie calls him and says, I'm ready for the song. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And just out of the blue, Gary's like, it's at home. I'll go get it. And he he calls, sings it or says it to Stevie. And he's like, that's great. Get my secretary to write it down. Apparently, Stevie calls back in like an hour or so. And he says, can you give us another verse? I'm going to call you back in 10 minutes. <laughs> Gary's like, you know, it took yeah. me months to write it. What are you talking about? But under pressure, he puts out the last verse about the people eating dog food, Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a really impactful right. verse. So um, I thought that was funny, both on the way that Stevie works yeah. and expects other people to be on his own time yeah. in a way. I don't think in an arrogant way. I think yeah. he's just so obsessed. He gets in his own. Yeah. So far, we've got Love's in Need of Love today, and then there's a song about having a talk with God, yep. and then there's this invitation into this ghetto land. Tough theme so far. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a little pause at the next one, which is an instrumental fusion type thing. After that comes one that you will probably know whether or not you've heard this album. 
it was probably years before I knew the song was called Sir Duke. Like, I just mm-hmm. never knew what the name of the song was. But this is also a song I had to come back to. When I was in college, I worked like a summer at, at an Eddie Bauer. I was on point when it came to cargo pants and windbreakers. This is late like 90s? A, mid to late 90s. Oh my gosh, yeah, cargo yeah. town. Oh man, I mean... Were you selling clothes? Oh, yeah, I was selling. Oh, I, was, I was selling clothes. Selling clothes. Yeah, was selling what was clothes. your stick? Would you walk up and be like, hey... You like you want to go hiking somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> I, honestly, I probably wasn't very good at it. But you, retail stores like that, they get shipped like these soundtracks, these mm-hmm. you know, popular but fairly safe music to play over the over the speakers. And and Sir Duke was one of those songs. And how many times a day would you hear this song? Like on a shift, four or five hour shift, you'd probably hear it six times. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> and same with um, Golden Years by David Bowie. That's another yeah. one that I was just like, I, if I hear this song one more time. So right. I had a preconceived bias against the song for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then thankfully you don't hear it every you know, six times a day, every day. And you come back to it and you realize what a beautiful, fun, uplifting song this is. And I never knew who he was referencing with Sir Duke until mm-hmm. I kind of read into it more. And this whole, this paying respect to you know, some of his musical heroes. It was just a great way to do that. Duke Ellington is mm-hmm. Sir, Sir Duke, Duke, and he had died recently. Okay. Songs in the Key of Life, and here's even addressing the impact of someone's life, mm-hmm. as well as honoring them into their death, and all these other jazz heroes of the day. It's not a jazz song, no. but with the horns, it kind of has a yeah. big band callback, especially this part. Again, has that big band horn feel. It's almost like an homage, mm-hmm. but you can't peg down. It's not. It's a pop song. It's also got this jazzy feel. It's a little funk guitar. At the same time, it's not just paying respect to Duke Ellington and people. It's also saying like, hey, music is what gathers us. Music yeah. is what, what we all love, what we can all gather around. So even as you're talking about love's in need of love today, let's have a party. Yeah. And and we can all agree that this is a really big part of it is music. And, and maybe that's... The intentionality of where the song lands on this album, and you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's laying down these pretty deep themes early on of societal issues and spirituality, and then this is something we can all rally around. I love the sequencing here because the party continues after Sir Duke right into this fun song. I wish. <laughs> What would 
another one of the songs that everyone knows, even if you didn't know what what it was called, uh-huh. uh, what album it's on. My point is totally justified mm-hmm. by the fact that Will Smith sampled it for Wild Wild West. <laughs> if you're younger, you may not have heard this song. Part of that reason is because it really does not hold up. <laughs> no, it does not. That's more than a sample. No, yeah, that's not sampling. For the most part, I'm a Will Smith defender. Yeah. I think there's a nostalgia for him because of hearing Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh yeah. Prince when I'm in fifth grade. And mm-hmm. that's some of the first introduction to rap. And like, and like memorizing like mm-hmm. the, the entire Parents song. just don't understand. Yeah. Yep. The song's about growing up. Apparently, Stevie Wonder went to a picnic. The smells and sounds and noise made him think of childhood. Yeah. He went back and wrote the song that night, which is, if you're Stevie Wonder, that's what you do. We talk about him being like he was in the zone, and it's like you work how, how Stevie works. I wonder how, how difficult it was to track with what he wants. From a musical standpoint? Yeah, from a musical standpoint. I'm guessing that he has to surround himself with the right musicians. Yeah. Well, and if not, then he just plays it himself. Yeah. Like he played <laughs> drums on this song. Yeah. Which it's is amazing. insane. I love his drumming because it's the most sloppy yet mm-hmm. in the pocket drumming oh, yeah. that I can name. I mean, there are like a hundred people on this album. Yeah. But it's still all Stevie. All of him singing, even some of the backing vocals he does, right. you know? So it's like him singing, him on almost all the keys except for Herbie Hancock, as we'll mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. But it's all Stevie. People sometimes talk about the blindness as if it makes him a superhero. Oh, because he's blind, then he's got heightened sensitivity. And it's like, no, he's a genius. Yeah. And I think that his blindness, he doesn't see it as a setback in some mm-hmm. ways. He is going to be Stevie Wonder no matter what. He got vocal performance of the year one year. He's gotten production credits. He mm-hmm. produces. He plays every instrument. He writes these songs. I mean, he's. could you name a more iconic and talented, holistically American musician? Not off the top of my head. Who can do... You might, like, put Prince up there. Yeah. In terms of this genius level. Multi-talented. Yeah. Yeah. But even Michael, like, Michael didn't play all the instruments. No. He had incredible vision and vocal abilities and songwriting. I'm not taking anything away, but I'm just saying, like, Stevie Wonder's one of a kind. Yeah, absolutely. Wonder of a kind. All right, next song we're going to cover is Pastime Paradise. Starting with Shel Pfeiffer. Of the world and spending 
full disclosure. Yeah. I never knew until this week. Right. That this song is what inspired Amish Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that this is what Coolio. Did you know that like Gangsta's Paradise had was sampled? Or no. You just no, it was no. like this is a hit rap song. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, to get permission, Coolio had to go back and remove expletives and clean it up oh, a little right. bit. Yeah. Stevie's not having it. Good for Stevie. Contrast this song with Village Ghetto Land yeah. with the strings. It mm-hmm. has that feel, which it's not strings. I'll get to that in a minute. But it has that feel of classical. Uh, and yet it's talking about the... Uh, I think there's several ways you could interpret the song. But the way that I interpret it is by the trappings of materialism mm-hmm. and having everything that we quote unquote need or want, mm-hmm. but that it's, it's leading us nowhere. It's leading right. us to a place of... Degradation. Meaningless. Segregation. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Good explanation. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Constipation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of it. One thing that I've never noticed, but when he talks about the breakdown of it, there are no drums in the song. The other elements in this song that are important are the percussion, and the percussion is really anchored by these Hare Krishna bells. Steve had the idea for the song that... It would have a universal theme if he put in uh, Hare Krishna bells, and he arranged to have a group of Hare Krishna devotees come and play. And uh, they're used throughout playing these bells. Um, And then later on, they'll come in and they'll start to chant. Along with that percussion, we have uh, cowbells, we have kungas that go along with that. Uh, We have... um, hand claps, but I think they're really stick claps. Here we have the Hare Krishnas coming in. And then it's going to be followed by the large choir, very large gospel choir. So you get the quality of the Hare Krishna chant against We Shall Overcome, which makes it a very haunting song. Are Hare Krishnas still around? I don't know. I haven't been to an airport in a long time. They were a big deal growing up. They were a big deal. I mean, they were in the Naked Gun movie. Oh, man. Maybe no one has been impacted more by COVID than Hare Krishna's because people just weren't going to airports anymore. Yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. (laughs) Coolio was apparently irritated that Weird Al did Amish Paradise. Oh, really? I think of all the people that Weird Al has parodied through the years, Coolio is the one who like was the most like indignant about it. Interesting. Okay. And it's not even a song. No, you can't get mad. No. I wonder if he was always calling Stevie up being like, hey man, you hear this Amish paradise? It's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> He's trying to get him riled up. <laughs> Coolio came to JMU when I was there. To study biology? At the, well, he didn't attend. Oh, I yeah. gotcha. Best part was he came out and he was like, what's up, George Madison University? Whoa, that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, man. Uh, you can only get so insulted. He probably played he probably, George Mason the yeah, night before. He probably did. And I'm sure that it was no sweat off Coolio's back. Yet here I am, 20 years later, <laughs> talking about how he got the name wrong. Hey, never forget. How do you say I went to college in the 90s more than... Coolio I went and saw is. Coolio, who came to my university... Remember that show where we saw Matchbox 20 and Third Eye Blind? Remember when Gin Blossoms played the quad? (laughs) Speaking of the quad, this was probably, I don't know, 2003, 2004. Apparently Duke every year would put together a concert. Okay. And Wilco played, 
At this point, I'm uh, I'm about 28 at this point. You're like the, the college equivalent of Matthew McConaughey's character. That's right. Days and all right, all right, <laughs> all right. And so my friends and I, we grabbed backpacks and went out there so that we would fit in. Sure. Well, not realizing that when class is out and they're there just for a concert <laughs> on the lawn, nobody has a freaking backpack. <laughs> We're going to skip down quite a few songs. There's a few love songs on this album. Mm-hmm. Isn't she lovely? Yep. Love letter to his daughter. Uh, knocks me off my feet, which is great. And there's this one, As, which was, I think, the fifth single. I feel like if we're going to cover Love Song, this is the one to cover. And I'm going to skip ahead. that that isn't she lovely knocks me off my feet i just called to say i love you he can do that sort of soft love love you could probably do those in his sleep yeah Yeah. they're good on the album but isn't she lovely shouldn't be whatever 10 minutes long right (laughs) and i can have this song go on and on like it's seven minutes i'm cool with that because that groove at the end Mm -hmm. where you got herbie hancock playing the piano Mm -hmm. those background vocals behind him just riffing on all of the things that would happen before he stopped loving you yeah such as okay let's hear it he's gonna be loving you until dolphin flies (laughs) and parrots live at sea okay does he know what dolphins and parrots are (laughs) just wondering until the trees and seas up, up, and fly away. Until the day that eight times eight times eight times eight is four. <laughs> That's my favorite one. He's like, math is going to change before I stop loving you. Honestly, from a love song standpoint, he says, until the day that you are me and I'm you. I just... That's beautiful. Yeah, I was like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, not as pretty as parrots and dolphins. No. Like dolphins flying. <laughs> I like to imagine him sitting there with his lover and a dolphin like actually flies by. And Stevie's like, what's that sound? It sounds like a dolphin flying. And she's like, no, 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 it's not, baby. Because he'd stop loving her if it was. <laughs> I do love the ability for someone to take a something as time-tested as a love song and kind of stand it on its ear and lyrically do it in a way that's just not your standard tripe. Yeah, and, I'll love you forever. Yeah. That's what this song is. Right. But like you said. In, in much more descriptive, beautiful, you know, romantic ways. I mean... You and I, we, we talk about you know, R.E.M. All, a lot. You know, a whole lot. A whole lot, like <laughs> all the time. R.E.M. is not a band that did a lot of love songs. No. But then I think of a song like Be Mine um, by mm-hmm. R.E.M. And yeah. you know, lyrically, love songs in the sense that they're almost taking these fantastical, you know, one-to-one relational moments and describing them in ways that are well beyond, I'll love you forever. Right. And the fact that it goes on for seven minutes, yeah. it kind of fits. It's not just, hey, this is a groove. Let's keep yeah. jamming on it. He's basically saying, no, let me repeat it over and yeah. over and over In again. In case you didn't hear me. Yeah. It is always just like yeah. this song is always. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the bassist. Okay. So Nathan Watts is the bassist on this album. And when he recorded, 
songs in the key of life. Mm-hmm. He'd only been playing bass for two years. Good God. That's amazing. <laughs> that makes me just want to quit music. Yeah. I think before that he'd played clarinet. <laughs> and he's still with them today. That's amazing. He became his musical director wow. at some point along the way, which is, a, that's a pretty big deal that he's directing the band. Well, and it also just speaks to, we've talked about that Stevie can be demanding, mm-hmm. but the fact that he's got this loyalty and he's got these folks who have been with him this long just speaks volumes. Not only like just what they've been able to accomplish and produce, but just to the familiarity and the loyalty and family that they've probably built you know, doing all this. Yeah. So when the album finally came out, they flew the press and they had to fly them up to like Massachusetts or something mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere to where he recorded, which was this big ordeal. When the press arrives, I'm sure they're whining and dining them. Stevie walks down the stairs dressed as a cowboy <laughs> and he's got holsters on and on the side of the holsters, it reads number one with a bullet. Nice. I love the fact that he's like, hey, one more thing. Before we release this, I want to dress up like a cowboy. That's amazing. But then he sat down, everyone, and played the whole thing from front to back. Almost two hours where they wow. sat there and listened to that. At the end, when they finished listening, did he pull up his, his finger guns and go... <laughs> <laughs> and and they walked back out. And hold They're like questions. He blew on the guns and walked out. <laughs> Stevie's magnum opus. Mm-hmm. It closes out the classic period, which would have been called the classic period even without this album. Mm-hmm. After that, takes years off, comes back with that weird album about plants. Yep. And that was one of the most anticipated albums ever, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Sure. And then he never, ever even attempts something like this again. Yeah. But he doesn't have to. He's done it. But arguably after that, it's like, this is the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. You know, and like Stevie Wonder to us when we were growing up wasn't that cool. No, it was... Um, I just called to say I love you. just called to say I love you. Um, it was soft. 80s Stevie was soft for the most part. Right. But even That's What Friends Are For won a Grammy for best vocal performance by a a duo or group. 80s were not kind (laughs) to a lot of artists. You know, I mean, think about Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder, George Harrison in the 80s. Oh, yeah. McCartney did put out the Spies Like Us theme song. Mm, Good point. (laughs) I I retract my (laughs) last statement. Thank you. This album is, it's undeniable. One of the best albums ever. And when you look at Stevie doing everything, Mm -hmm. I think it deserves to be one of the top 10 albums ever. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've known this album as being hailed as one of the best albums of all time. You listen to it one time through and you're like, man, this is a masterpiece. Yeah. Absolutely. It is an album that you need to sit down front to back yep. and experience. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. It's that point. Stevie Wonder, who was famous for doing this, he's going to call you at 4 a.m. Hmm. after you've just gotten home from a long gig, and he's going to tell you to get to the studio right then because he needs you to play. Helpful. If you don't remove a song off Songs in the Key of Life. So ignoring the extra songs that he included, yeah. the 45 of songs, off just the standard double album, Songs mm-hmm. in the Key of Life, which yep. song would you remove? This one was actually easy for me. I would remove Contusion. The song's called Contusion. I think I've got a contusion on my forehead from banging my head against the desk listening to the song. No, you hated it. It's so um, 70s. Yeah. This album, in many ways, is of its time, 
but it's timeless. Yes. This song is of its, of time. its time. I'm surprised you said that just because you like Rush. This is not Rush. I'm not saying it's Rush. That also tells you how much I know about Rush. <laughs> but also, it's just like this jammy. Well, there are like weird timing yes. things going on yeah. and key changes. And it's got a little prog rock yes. um, sound to it. But I don't listen to this and, th- and hear Stevie Wonder. Maybe, maybe that's the... That's okay. the thing of it. Okay. So, what about you? What's the song you'd remove? Like the sun that always shines. Cowbell comes in. Hi, Krishna's. Not now! <laughs> they, they try and quietly back out, but you can't quietly back out <laughs> anywhere with, with those bells. <laughs> Then why can't it be never? Be quiet. They put them in their mouths. <laughs> Stevie, I'm with you on the vision of this album. I'm going with you into Ghetto Land. Mm-hmm. I love the sentiment. I love the messaging of this album. But man, just him like singing over a harp <laughs> right before we go into this. Just. Get, Just get, get there. Yeah. Get there, please. That's where I want to go. So, anyway, yeah. that's the song I would do. I can see that. And as always, you can uh, engage with us on social media, at Instagram and Twitter, at Finest Work Songs, and on Facebook as well. And be sure to send us a, those emails, finestworksongs at gmail.com. Who knows? Maybe we'll read yours on the next installment of Kenny Gmail. We're excited to celebrate our 50th episode yep. coming up here soon. What'd you get me? Oh, yes. Oh. Mr. President. Uh, but until then, uh, we hope you keep... Matt, you were a happy baby. Oh, I really was. Congratulations on being the baby from this oh, song. It's, it's really been downhill since then. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>